You're listening to the Growing Up Rock Podcast with your host, Stephen Michael and Sonny Hollywood Pooney. Since I seem to be the only person addressing this committee today who has been a direct target of accusations from the presumably responsible PMRC, I would like to use this occasion to speak on a more personal note and show just how unfair the whole concept of lyrical interpretation and judgment can be and how many times this can amount to little more than character assassination. I have taken the liberty of distributing to you material and lyrics pertaining to these accusations There were three attacks in particular which I would like to address. Accusation number one. This attack was contained in an article written by Tipper Gore, which was given the form of a full page in my hometown newspaper on Long Island. In this article, Ms. Gore claimed that one of my songs, Under the Blade, had lyrics encouraging sadomasochism, bondage, and rape. The lyrics she quoted have absolutely nothing to do with these topics. On the contrary, the words in question are about surgery and the fear that it instills in people. Furthermore, the reader of this article is led to believe that the three lines she quotes go together in the song, when as you can see from reading the lyrics, the first two lines she cites are an edited phrase from the second verse, and the third line is a misquote of a line from the chorus. That the writer could misquote me is curious, since we make it a point to print all our lyrics on the inner sleeve of every album. As the creator of Under the Blade, I can say categorically that the only sadomasochism, bondage, and rape in this song is in the mind of Ms. Gore. Accusation number two. The PMRC has made public a list of 15 of what they feel are some of the most blatant songs lyrically. On this list is our song, We're Not Gonna Take It, upon which has been stowed a V rating indicating violent lyrical content. You'll note from the lyrics before you that there is absolutely no violence of any type, either sung about or implied anywhere in the song. Now, it strikes me that the PMRC may have confused our video presentation for this song with the meaning of the lyrics. It's no secret that videos often depict storylines completely unrelated to the lyrics of the song they accompany. The video for We're Not Gonna Take It was simply meant to be a cartoon with human actors playing variations on the Roadrunner Wild E. Coyote theme. Each stunt was selected from my extensive personal collection of cartoons. You'll note when you watch the entire video that after each catastrophe our villain suffers through, in the next sequence he reappears unharmed by any previous attack, no worse for the wear. By the way, I'm very pleased to note that the United Way of America has been granted a request to use portions of our We're Not Gonna Take It video in a program they are producing on the subject of the changing American family. They asked of it because of its, quote, lighthearted way of talking about communicating with teenagers, unquote. 
It is gratifying that an organization as respected as the United Way of America appreciates where we're coming from. I've included a copy of the United Way's request as part of my written testimony. Thank you, United Way. Accusation number three. Last Tuesday, a public forum regarding the lyric controversy was held in New York. Among the panelists was Ms. Gore. Trying to stem the virtual tidal wave of anti-rating sentiment coming from the audience, Ms. Gore made the following statement, quote, I agree this is a small percentage of all music, thank goodness, but it's becoming more mainstream. You look at even the t-shirts the kids are wearing, and you see Twisted Sister and a woman in handcuffs sort of spread-eagled, unquote. This is an outright lie. Not only have we never sold a shirt of this type, we have always taken great pains to steer clear of sexism in our merchandise, records, stage show, and personal lives. Furthermore, we have always promoted the belief that rock and roll should not be sexist, but should cater to males and females equally. I feel that an accusation of this type is irresponsible, damaging to our reputation, and slanderous. I defy Ms. Gore to, Ms. Gore, sorry, to produce such a shirt to back up her claim. I'm tired of running into kids on the street who tell me that they can't play our records anymore because of the misinformation their parents are being fed by the PMRC on TV and in the newspapers. So you might be wondering, is that Dee Snyder I just heard? And it was. So we are today talking about the PMRC and the Filthy 15. Stephen Michael, how are you, sir? Dude, I'm doing awesome. I'm psyched about this because there's so much to talk to. I remember so many things vividly in my mind from 1985 because I was right in the middle of of my rock and roll rebellious youth. I just graduated high school. I remember this like it was yesterday, uh, even though it was like, you know, 50 to 60 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to today's episode. It's going to be a fun conversation for sure. Yeah, this, this was all going on, especially the hearings uh, at the beginning of my junior year. And, uh, you know, as we've talked before, I didn't really start with music till end of 84. That's when I really got into rock. So uh, I will tell you, if you listen to the full clip, which you can find on YouTube, there's about eight minutes and 10 seconds where Dee Snyder does a speech right at the beginning of the hearing, of his part of the hearing, before they open it up for question and answer. That eight minutes and 10 seconds solidified for me that metalheads are not all stupid. I thought he did a great job talking over the three things you just heard. Uh, he took some shots at some people. He was funny at times. But Dee was a great representative. I thought he did a great job. Yeah, I, I remember feeling fairly proud as a metalhead when this was all going on. I mean, Dee Snyder, I think, spoke really well. He did everything that you just mentioned. And even though I wasn't like a huge Zappa fan at the time, I respected the guy, and I thought that what he was saying was very poignant as well. 
Yeah, this whole thing, uh, you know, I thought it was funny when I was doing my research. Blackie Lawless named the PMRC politicians masked as re-election campaigns. So even uh, Zappa was talking about conspiracy theories and why this stuff was going on. So the whole story is really interesting. Yeah, no doubt. We're going to get into all that. Like I said, there's tons of stuff to talk about regarding all this stuff. But hey, first, let's uh, let's talk about uh, what's going on with you. Anything new on your side of things? What's happening? What's the latest and greatest? All things are good. Spent some time with my family. Just bought tickets today to uh, go see Warrant here in Wisconsin. Got second row seats, so happy nice. to do that. So looking forward to that. My son's never seen Warrant, so that'll be fun. Awesome. Besides that, just, you know, enjoy life. Didn't you tell me that you went to uh, went to the big um, Summerfest there? Yeah, yeah. So we were supposed to go the rock night, which was Sunday. And we were going to leave here, you know, about 3 o'clock. Lynch Mob was the first rock act that day. And it was tropical rain central here that day. And I, I just didn't want to put the kids through it. Yeah. So we went Tuesday afterwards and there really wasn't any bands we wanted to see on Tuesday, but I wanted to go check out Summerfest. Uh-huh. Dude, Summerfest is set up awesome. Yeah. It is unbelievable. There used to be this bar called America Live in Sacramento that I used to go to. And it had like three different rooms. You'd go into one room, it was hip hop, go another room, it was country, go another room, it was rock. Summerfest was kind of set up this way, but it was in the open. So you would just kind of walk and you would hear jazz and you'd walk 20 more steps. And all of a sudden the jazz is over and the rock starts and you walk another hundred steps and the rock is over. I don't know how they separated out the sound so well. And, you know, you hear a folk music guy all by himself. Like it was amazing amount of music. We saw a jazz band that was pretty good. I saw like a rock and roll hair metal cover act that was pretty good. And then we saw Separate Ways, which is a a Journey tribute band. They were incredible. Really? And they were doing old school Journey. And I, wow. I mean, he was, Steve Perry nailed it. Uh, So if you ever get a chance to see Separate Ways, I don't know where they're from, but they've obviously been doing it a while. Yeah. Um, So it was set up really well. Um, You know, next year I... Hope to catch the rock night, so hopefully the weather is good enough to go. But it's set up really well. It's my first time going. They got like two or three stages. Is that what happens? One stage finishes and the other one starts? Is that how that works? Uh, not really. So they got these. They have separate stages, yes. It is kind of set up as one finishes, another one starts. But at many times, there's four stages going at the same time. Okay. So you have to, but it's not like four rock acts at the same time. Right. So even the rock night that we were supposed to go to, when Greta Van Fleet was going to be on stage, Rick Springfield was also going to be on stage. Okay. So, you know, they're assuming that most fans are going to like both. They don't assume a me. I wanted to see both. Yeah. Same same (laughs) here. Yeah. 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 So uh, they do a pretty good job of that. That's cool. So Saturday night, I took in the Foreigner, White Snake, and Jason Bonham show. Oh, really? Okay. Fantastic show. As always, Foreigner sounded just like the freaking record. Amazing. And White Snake, it's been so long since I've seen White Snake. Literally, I think that the last time I saw White Snake was on the '87 tour with Vivian and Vandenberg. I really think that's the last time I've seen White Snake live. Wow. Yeah, I've seen different incarnations over the years. 
Yeah. I just, I've never, I haven't, I never saw him with uh, Aldridge, with Doug Aldridge, not Tommy yeah. Aldridge. <laughs> yeah. And so I seriously think the last time I saw that tour was uh, here in Atlanta with, you know, the Sarzo, Vandenberg, Vivian Campbell lineup. Yeah. I've seen White Snake uh, probably six or seven times. They've never disappointed me. Now, Dave can't do what he was doing in 87, but he still looks great. He still has got tons of energy. And you know what? He makes the songs work. Yeah. So, I mean, I I was really skeptical of, of how Dave was going to do vocally because I know he's just messing around kind of at that Rock and Roll Hall of Fame thing, but he, to me, didn't really sound very good at all on that. And uh my my wife kind of motioned to me and she's like, wow, he's he's really had a lot of plastic surgery lately, hasn't he? <laughs> and I said, yeah, you know, he's a lot younger than I actually thought he was. He's he's 66 or 67, which I just kind of assumed he must have been really young when he was in Deep Purple, you know? Yeah, his uh, early 20s for sure. Yeah, so he's he's 66, 67. He looked fine. I thought he actually sounded pretty damn good. Yeah, you're right. He didn't pull off everything back like he did in 87, but he actually pulled off a couple of things that I was really surprised that he pulled off. Or at least let me say let me say it this way. He did a really, really good attempt at pulling off a few of the things that, like the scream and still of the night and a couple of things that I thought he did really well. But overall, uh, I thought they were amazing. Uh, Hulkstra does a great job in that band. I mean, fantastic showman, did an awesome job. It was really fun getting to see him play with those guys. And of course, Red Beach speaks for himself. He's an amazing player, but... They split up the solos a lot more than I thought they would, really, because, you know, it's kind of Red Beach's, he's the musical director in that band. Yeah, but you can't sleep on Holstra's skills, right? Yeah, I, well, obviously not, because they they basically split the leads. And in fact, I'd probably go so far as to say that Hoekstra maybe even did uh, a little bit more of the heavy lifting than, than Red Beach did. Oh, that doesn't surprise me. Uh, but yeah, I mean, they sounded great. They were amazing. Jason Bonham, always a fun time, you know, to hear those Zeppelin tunes and they did them justice and they played a really good 40 minute set of great Zeppelin stuff. And, uh, and then Foreigner again, and Mick Jones must've been feeling good for Foreigner because he was basically out there the entire time. Uh, in fact, he was out there the entire time. He started the show and finished the show. So he was there the the whole uh, show. That's cool. Now, does Bonham, does he just do Zeppelin or does he do at least wait for you? Or no, 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 strictly Zeppelin. I mean, it's, it's all about Jason Bonham's Zeppelin evening, an evening with Jason Bonham Zeppelin. You know, they used to call it Zeppelin Experience and they made him change it. So now it's Jason Bonham's Led Zeppelin evening is what they call it now. Oh, okay. Okay. But yeah, strictly, strictly Zeppelin and not, and in my opinion, not just the hits. Like they played some deeper stuff, which I really appreciated hearing some of that stuff. But, you know, all of it is so familiar that, you know, you can kind of say, well, it's not really that deep off the album, but however you want to look at it. That's cool. 
Yeah, so good time. I enjoyed that for sure. But that's pretty much it, man. All right, so we saw and listened to a bunch of stuff this week. But before we get into this conversation, Sonny, you know what time it is. We got to do a little house cleaning around the Grown Up Rock podcast. Still love it loud? So do we. Rockin' Pod returns to Nashville on Saturday, August 25th. Over 25 rock podcasts from all over North America recording on-site. Vinyl and memorabilia dealers selling the best in rock merchandise. And awesome rock musicians and personalities participating in signing sessions and on-stage panel discussions throughout the day. Special guests include current and former members of Korn, Kiss, Angel, Winger, Loudness, Except, Bang Day. Kick Tracy, as well as producers that have worked with Slayer, Ozzy, Alice Cooper, Seven Dust, and many more. More guests being added weekly. Don't miss your chance to be part of an awesome celebration of all things rock. Rock and Pod takes place at the legendary Nashville Palace, August 25th, 2018. More details available at rockandpod.com. That's R-O-C-K-N-P-O-D.com. The Nashville Rock and Pod Expo. Brought to you by Blind Tiger Record Club. School of Rock Nashville and School of Rock Franklin, a DBG Productions event. Everyone's got a rock and roll story to tell, and we want to hear yours. So go to our website at growinguprock.com. That's one word, G-R-O-W-I-N-U-P-R-O-C-K.com. Or visit us on our Facebook page at Growing Up Rock and tell us all about it. All right, so we are going to start with pod chaser reviews so if you have not checked out pod chaser yet please do so because as of this recording i'm gonna say it to jinx it probably but as of this recording we are the number one music podcast on pod chaser which we have some awesome fans that helped us get there we've got like a four and three quarter star rating i would say 26 people have rated us as of right now and uh, we had some reviews that we wanted to read. All of these are five-star. So Rocker Chick NY 70 says, these guys serve up some tasty interviews with killer rock musicians and industry insiders. Also love themed episodes, just like hanging out with friends and debating music. Give Steve and Sonny a listen. Five stars from Alexander Smithine. Definitely unique interviews. Love it. Five stars from Ashton Williams. Just found this podcast while they are good. Love Gun said, great blend of interview and themed episodes. True rockers need to check this episode out. Uh, Sablewski said, awesome guys, awesome podcast. I Love It Loudcast said, these guys are real deal. Their love, passion, and commitment to the music they grew up with and continue to support is apparent. Fighting the good fight, spreading the word of rock, testify. And Nighthawk said, great podcast. The gentlemen here are top notch. Always one that I listen to each week. So thank you so much for the reviews on Podchaser. And it's so easy. All you got to do is go in and register, and you can listen to all of our podcasts. They're up. They're easy listen. You can rate easy. It's the easiest way to listen to us right now. Thank you, everybody, for your support, and thank you for helping keep rock and roll alive. We love it, and obviously you do too, so keep on rocking. Then to get to our Grown Ups of the Week, the Power Chord Channel, Jeff Rowland. Bill Elam, Bill Algie, Lady Lake Music, Kristen Kivo, HairnetRadio.com, Alan Tate, Janet Eck, Jody Habnot, Jay Sablewski, Little Fish, Nighthawk, Andrew Jacobs, Bella Lowe's 1966, 
Dirk Sokolowski, Mark Winder 8, Ogata, David Hudson, Shawana Lee, Digital Killed, DNR Studio CEO, Metal Empire Mag, Adam Cox, Podcast Rock City, Decimal Geek, Rob Alanese, Chris Sinzak, Tony Masalem, Ken D. Weber, David Cathy, Vinny Folletti, I Love It Loudcast, Global Black Wolf, Do For Patrick, Steve Wright, Rodney Dixon, Lime Link, Melodic Dirt, EMZT Radio Podcast, Bianca Ahonen, Heidi Trout, Jason Alexander, Daryl Alber, Classic Rock Drops, Giorgio Ovidio, Eladio, Tom Dust, Ages of Rock Podcast, Peter Cessary, Courtney Cronin Dole, Jason Kearney, Victor Ruiz, and Ear Peeler, which uh, they're awesome. You got to check them out too. Save Rock and Metal, The Peter Principle, Restrained, who supplies all of our transition music, Rock and Roll Archaeology. Uh, shared us because we did an episode with them. Jacob Cade Rocks shared us, which was a great interview that Stephen did. And then Pod Chaser themselves shared us and made us podcast of the day. So just an incredible week, to be honest. If all these people reviewed us on uh, Pod Chaser, we'd be number one for a while, to be honest. Yeah, it's awesome. Uh, we must be doing something right. Hopefully, uh, it just continues. We'll keep doing what we do and. Folks, you keep doing what you're doing. So thank you, everybody. We really, really are uh, humbled and appreciative of everybody's support. Thanks so much. It's time for the Crank It Up New Music Spotlight. Cool. So this uh, Crank It Up Spotlight, new band, huh? That's right. Crank It Up Spotlight, we're going to feature a band called Sapphire. They got a new record coming out on Paris Records called Where the Monster Dwells. And we're going to play a single called Hard to Keep, Hard to Find. Search for 
right, so that's a killer song by this new band called Sapphire. It's more Swedish exports, my friend. This is another band that is from Sweden. Uh, I will not even make attempts at saying names or pronouncing names. This band basically formed in 2006 by a couple of buddies that went to school together. Obviously, you can tell that they were highly influenced by Deep Purple and Rainbow, uh, and I really dug it. I gave the entire record a listen earlier today, and it's really, really a solid record. So if you're into Deep Purple or Rainbow, I highly recommend you go out and get this record. I don't think it's out yet. Uh, This is the single that we just played for you. So if you're digging that, though, you'll dig the rest of the record because it's pretty much in line with the rest of the record. Yeah, they have three records out there. They released their first one in 2013, the second one in 2015, and then this one. The vocalist, I hear Deep Purple in the music. I don't hear Deep Purple in the vocals, uh, but I like the vocalist. So his name is Tobias Jansen. And the guitar player, Victor Olsen, uh, rocks too. So I haven't heard the whole new CD. I've heard the 2015 one, which was for the greater good. They've definitely polished it up a little bit. They were a lot more raw before. So uh, I- I'm looking forward to listening to the whole record. Yeah, 100% agree with you. I mean, nobody's going to sound like Ian Gillian or uh, Ronnie James Dio. So uh, when I talk about Rainbow and Purple, then I'm speaking specifically of the music. But yes, Guy's a great singer. Just no way that this guy sounds like uh, Ian Gillian or Ronnie James Dio. So that's a good thing, in my opinion, because it gives them a little bit of their originality, right? Yep, definitely. Awesome. So let's get into this. The Filthy 15, baby. You ready to get into this conversation, my friend? Dude, this conversation is going to go deep because, you know what? So let's just start with, because I, I figure we'll start here just so you know where I'm coming from, right? So so people know where we're coming from. My Here's my take on the parental guidance stickers, blah, blah. I think you have to have something. I don't know what the right way is, but as a parent, and I am a parent of four, okay? I am a parent of four. There's got to be some way to siphon out what's good and bad for your kids. I think mostly it's up to the parents. So that's what I agree with. Here's how I did it. When my kids were growing up, everything was getting ripped through iTunes, my CDs, down through my iTunes. I do everything through iTunes, right? So if the kids wanted something they heard on the radio, all of their iPods and their iPhones were connected through my iTunes. So... When they got iTunes gift cards for birthdays or whatever, they would tell me what song they wanted and I would veto it or not veto it or get them the clean version, depending on how old they were, et cetera, et cetera. So I basically listened to all of the stuff I didn't want to listen to, but they wanted the music and I wanted to make sure that somebody wasn't talking about slitting their wrists. Sunny, sunny, sunny. That's just how I did it. That's that's just called parenting, my friend. That's right. Look. I can have an opinion 20 ways to Sunday, but I'm not a parent. So I'm not going to sit on my soapbox and go, hey, this should be happening. That should be happening. I'm just going to talk from my personal viewpoint, which is, you know, censorship uh, when it comes to the arts is not necessarily a good thing in my opinion. But that being said, I do absolutely understand, especially nowadays, 
that we really got to limit what age groups get access to what music. And just to kind of echo what my, my man Hollywood just said, parents, do your job. <laughs> you know, I mean, yeah. it's really do your job, listen to the music, decide whether or not it's appropriate, and then make the decision. Uh, you can't just turn the keys over to a car to a, you know, 12-year-old kid. You know what I'm saying? Totally. And, you know, although I say there has to be some involvement somehow, when we're going through this episode, the tactics that these ladies were taking was not the right way, in my opinion. So <laughs> you'll, you'll hear different things from me. Now, for me, and you know this, and I think the fans know this because they've heard me say this enough, lyrical content is very, very important to me because as a kid, man, it was nice to hear somebody else was going through a breakup. Somebody else didn't fit in that somebody was feeling the way I was feeling, even though it was somebody I never met, would never possibly meet, but through their music and their lyrics, it made me feel like I wasn't the only one on this island the way I was feeling. So it was hugely important to me, right? So I don't think you can just censor it all. I thought Zappa said it best is, I think it was Zappa that said it, just because you know something says age appropriate for X age, you don't know if Stephen Michael is growing up faster than Hollywood. And he can take something maybe that's a little more serious and Hollywood has to wait a couple of years. Yeah. And just because we're both age 15 doesn't mean we can handle the same thing. Yeah. Right? I mean, let's start at the beginning with this thing. So this thing happens in 85 and, you know, for all intents purposes, this is political bullshit, in my opinion. This is some, you know, politicians' wives that don't have enough to do, have too much time on their hands and decide hey, you know, we're going we're gonna to start pretending like we're real parents and we object to all this filth that's coming out in music. And, and a lot of this, you have to understand, in, in my opinion, a lot of this was bought on by images on MTV, by, I think this is around about the same time that there were a couple of suicide situations where people... Uh, had off themselves and and maybe you know I don't remember exactly what year the Judas Priest thing happened and I think there was somebody that also committed suicide uh, citing Ozzy's suicide solution as one of the culprits. You know what I'm talking about there, Sonny? Yeah, that might have been later, but I know what you're talking about. Yeah, so I don't know exact time frames or anything, but uh, I think that's all of these things kind of played a part in building up to this whole PMRC thing, which, you know, it's just, I don't know. I don't like anybody telling me what I can and can't do. Yeah, it drives me nuts. Uh, so the, the Parents Music Resource Center, or the PMRC as it is, you know, I just, I didn't see the point of it at the time. And, you know, I was, what, 17, 18 years old back then, around 85? Yeah, and, you know, I'm just coming in. So I didn't see the point of it, but 
Uh, thank you, Tipper Gore, for pointing me the right way <laughs> because I was looking for something rebellious in my junior year and uh, you gave me 15 songs to go listen to and uh, thank you. <laughs> so in this episode, we're going to kind of cover the Filthy 15. We're not going to play every one of them. We're going to cover the Filthy 15. And, and Sonny, are we going to start at 15 and work our way up to number one or are we going to go start at one and just work our way down the list? Which way are we going with this? I say let's start at one and work our way down the list. And I was thinking, you know, do we agree it should be on the list okay. while we're kind of talking about it? Okay, so we'll do that. And then and, uh, towards the end, once we get through this filthy 15, we're going to talk about maybe some, <laughs> maybe some of the obvious shit that they actually missed in the filthy 15. And uh, we'll go from there. But uh, sure. So let's just start with this list and uh, and we'll work our way through it. You ready? Yeah. All right. So the first one on the list is Prince's Darling Nikki off of Purple Rain. All right. I'll start with this one. <laughs> he deserves it. Uh, I'm sorry. Right. And uh, when I did a little bit of research on it, I guess this ended up as number one because Karina Gore, who is uh, Al and Tipper's, I think, oldest daughter, and she was 11 years old at the time, was singing along to the song out loud, and Tipper heard it, and she freaked out. <laughs> and I would say Prince was trying to make a point. He made it, and he deserves to be on the list. So, Sonny, you, you picked up all the lyrics to these songs because we need to reference some of these lyrics. So yeah, uh, I know basically what it is, but what lyric or what line in, in Darling Nikki is it that we think actually landed this song on this list? Uh, I think it was the first verse. So it's, uh, <laughs> I knew a girl named Nikki. I guess you could say she was sex fiend. I met her in the hotel lobby masturbating with a magazine. She said, how'd you like to waste some time? And I could not resist when I saw little Nikki grind. And then the I have the vivid image of uh, Purple Rain where he starts humping the floor. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And the, Ooh! you know, that <laughs> crazy stuff he's doing. I mean, it's not helping. He it's deserves not, to be number one. So it's not helping the image at all. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so... And so then we go, we go from, uh, first of all, is there anything else you want to say on this particular song? I think we're both in agreement. This one belongs on the list. I, whether it's one or whether it's 15, I don't know. And personally in today's, in today's fabric, it probably wouldn't even make the list, but remember we're talking about 85 here. Yeah, yeah, NWA is not out yet. Yeah, so yeah. two you, live crew is not out yet. Yeah. yeah, so are you good before we move on? Yeah, move on. Let's all right, go. All right, so we move on from Prince to one of Prince's proteges, basically, in Sheena Easton, clean Sheena Easton. I take the morning train. Wasn't that her big hit? I take the morning train or something yeah, like that. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. So in '84, she puts out. She's changing her image. She's becoming not the girl next door. She's becoming a sex pot. She's hanging out with Prince. And did he write this song for her? Do you, I know he wrote some of the songs, but did he write this one for her? Do you know? So the song was written by Alexander Nevermind, which was a pseudo name for prince yeah there you go okay so we're talking about the song sugar walls uh which is a euphemism <laughs> <laughs> uh 
Uh, yeah, okay. So I'm not going to go any further than this because it probably get me in trouble if my wife listens to the podcast. But anyway, so Sheena Easton's Sugar Walls in 84. The PMRC reference sex as being the primary reason this was on the list. What lyrics in this particular song uh, were offensive other than the fact that Sugar Walls is, is uh, you know, something else? Yeah, I think the pre-chorus got her. So it was blood races to your private spots. Let me know there's a fire. You can't fight passion when passion is hot. Temperatures rise inside my sugar walls. It's not as probably direct, but it's definitely there. (laughs) I would say this is deserving. All right, Sheena. That's enough of the girl next door. Get on the (laughs) list. (laughs) Climb on the bus, honey. Yeah. All right. So... We get through this pop rhetoric and make our way to number three. And lo and behold, heavy metal gets their due at number three with Judas Priest, Eat Me Alive, which I think was off the Defenders of the Faith record, if I'm not mistaken. Pretty sure. Uh, That is correct. Yeah. Yep. So 84, Eat Me Alive. Again, PMRC states sex as being the reason this is on there. What was Rob Halford thinking when he wrote the lyrics to this? Well, he was talking about basically getting a blowjob and forcing her at gunpoint. Uh, You know, grown in the pleasure zone, grasping from the heat, gut-wrenching frenzy that deranged every joint. I'm going to force you at gunpoint to eat me alive, uh, as is Rod of Steel and Jex. (laughs) First of all, I'll tell you, it's not the best Judas Priest song on the planet. No. No, it's not my favorite. It's definitely not my favorite off that record, but I don't hate it. I mean, I think no, it's a right song. No, I don't song. hate it, but, you know, I, I don't know if I'm forcing anybody at gunpoint. Judas Priest didn't do themselves any favor. I would say this one's deserving. This could have been sex and violence, though, right? Yeah, yeah, it and could have been. I think we all understand as we come through time that Rob was probably speaking about uh, another dude. Oh, yeah, I forgot about that part. <laughs> <laughs> not that there's anything wrong with that. Yeah, not that there's anything wrong with it. Yeah. All right, Jerry. Yeah. Yeah. No, but uh I'm just saying, you know, I think all his lyrics kind of came from that viewpoint as we came to find out as far as I'm understanding. Anyway, uh and he is the he is the main lyric writer in that band, right? Yeah, he is. Yeah, so that that was all him. And they didn't have a ton of that kind of stuff, but every once in a while it showed up. I love this record by the way. Defenders is a great record. Yeah, it is a good record. And the guitar solo on this song is outstanding. Yeah. Yeah. So we move our way back to the Prince Protégé and Vanity from 1984, Strap On Robbie Baby. I can't say that I've actually heard this song. Maybe I have. I couldn't tell you. Obviously, it's a sex issue. Strap On Robbie Baby. Is Robbie Baby a name for the strap-on? <laughs> uh, maybe. It's, you know, don't provoke me. Come on and stroke me. Strap this thing tight. Like, it deserves it. It sounds like Prince, but supposedly it's written by Robbie Bruce. I will tell you the guitar solo shreds like Prince. Yeah. I would have a hard time believing Prince isn't all over this song. Ah, uh, yeah. I mean, I definitely would believe it was the right time frame he he and uh vanity were a thing back then right yeah it's yeah it's interesting tipper obviously had a problem with prince and what's also interesting is during the hearings so al gore 
says to Dee Snyder, would you be surprised that Purple Rain song is about masturbation? And I'm like, I read the lyrics. It has nothing to do with that. I don't know where Al Gore even came up with that. Well, you know, as is with all music, it's completely how you connect with the music. So uh, it's a reoccurring theme time and time again where a musician writes a song about one thing and the listener interprets it a completely different way. And I mean, I think, in my opinion, I think that's one of the great things about music, you know, because that's how you can kind of connect in so many different forms to music, right? Because if a song was just about death and everybody only connect to it in death, that'd be kind of a bummer. But people, you know, find ways of seeing optimism and positive message in a song that maybe the musician wrote from a dark place. You just never know. You know what I mean? That's my point. Yeah, no, I totally understand. Totally understand. All right. So, uh, vanity, we moved from vanity to her future boyfriend's band now, right? That's right. Check this song out.
So you just heard Bastard by Motley Crue. Now, I will tell you, on this list of 15, I had nine that I felt were deserving. I felt two were iffy, and I felt four were dead wrong. And for me, this one's an iffy one. And the reason I say that is the lyrics go, out go the lights. First of all, you can't even understand the lyrics the way Vince is singing them. But out go the lights, Mm -hmm. in goes my knife, pull out his life, consider that bastard dead. Get on your knees. Please beg me, please. You're the king of sleaze. Don't you try to rape me. So when I hear this and I read this, I'm thinking, this guy is a rapist. I don't care. Kill this bastard dead. I don't got a problem with it. I'm not sure this is sex and violence and language that kids shouldn't hear. I'm like, this. what this person is doing is wrong. I'm not sure this is deserving on the list. I don't know. It's pretty violent. That's why I put it iffy. <laughs> All right. When we talk about these songs later that are really farther into what the PMRC was trying to do, I think they were just trying to add rock acts because they didn't like the pentagram. They didn't like Shout at the Devil. Why didn't they pick Shout at the Devil? Why Why did they pick Bastard? Well, that's, that's right because, it. I mean, I agree with you 100%. It's a complete package deal they were seeing more than just hearing the song. They saw the album package. They saw the whole look. I remember there was a promo picture that went around it around this time frame where they were dressed up in their shout at the devil shit and they had like blood all over them. Do you remember yeah. that picture? Oh yeah, Nikki, I love that Nikki picture. had the white warlock base with blood all over it. It's imagery tied to the song. So, uh, yeah, whatever. <laughs> so... <laughs> That was number five. So then we move on to number six. And let me just say that before we get into number six, literally every slot on the Filthy 15 could be occupied by this particular band that we're going to talk about next because (laughs) you could start at the earliest days and move your way on through uh, 40 years later and they still have songs that are absolutely just suggestive and I love it. (laughs) I completely (laughs) love it. Uh, And so we're talking about the Australian awesome, beautiful rock and roll ACDC. And the song in question is, let me put my love into you, babe. Let me put my love on the line. And that is from (laughs) Back in Black off of 1980. Tipper cites it as sex. I have no clue what she's talking about. Let me put my love into you. Sounds like a peace song, my friend. Yeah, and the fourth line on the chorus is, let me cut your cake with my knife. I, it's deserving. Okay, let's <laughs> let's get that, okay? It's deserving. My problem with it is, it's 1985. Why did you go back to 1980? And if you're going to go back that far, then just go to 76 and do Dirty Deeds. Right? Like, <laughs> or, I think or the problem big is balls here. Or... Yeah. I think I have an answer to that, and I'll, I'll, I'll start it back in black being uh, the mega, huge, ridiculous juggernaut of an album that it was. That's exactly what it is. ACDC is at its peak in 85. Like, they're huger than huge. That's what she said. <laughs> right? You can't get any bigger. That's what she said. <laughs> and there was no way she was leaving ACDC off the list. 
Well, now, I don't know. She could have found other songs. There was plenty on later albums, but whatever. Well, you say <laughs> that it was deserving because he talks about, let me cut your cake with my knife. See, I view it as a peace party with birthday cake. I mean, yeah, let me whatever. put my love into you, babe. It's, <laughs> let me share my love with all the beautiful people around. And hey, we've got cake here. Let me get out the knife and cut you a piece. I mean, yeah, were you but, there? Uh, Do you know? No, but I'm just going to take the delivery with the groaning and the grunting as part of <laughs> what he was trying to sell. Dude, have you ever had chocolate cake with butter frosting? That shit is awesome. <laughs> yeah, I, I know. I've had plenty. <laughs> you're not buying it? Is that what you're telling me? No, I'm not buying it. Right. It's, it's deserving in well, my opinion. fuck it. I gave it an effort. <laughs> All right. So then we move on to number seven. Number seven, the guy sitting right in front, Mr. D. Snyder. And we're going to talk about Twisted Sisters. We're not going to take it, which is, oh, my God. Cited for being on the list is a violent song. I'll let you start with this, but uh, let me just say non-deserving. <laughs> oh, unbelievably wrong. Uh, we've now found out, now that we've forwarded to 2018, this is the most licensed song ever. Right. It was used in Trump's campaign. It was used in Paul Ryan's campaign. It's been used in commercials. It is un whoever picked this did not read these lyrics because it's not even close. Read us some lyrics, would you? Oh, come on. Um, we got the right to choose it. There ain't no way we lose it. This is our life. This is our song. We'll fight the powers that be just. Don't pick our destiny because you don't know us. You don't belong. All he's saying is, parents, get the hell away from me. That's it. I don't even necessarily look at it as that. I just look at standing up for what you believe in. I mean, that yeah. could be anything. Just stupid. Whoever picked this, they had a problem with SMF. Yeah. They had a problem with them dressing like girls, yep. most likely. Yeah. And they were so huge. That's what she said. <laughs> that you can't leave them off the list. Yeah, it, it almost comes down to... Let's pick a bunch of bands, but let's get the most bang for our buck. Because if we pick bands like, and I, there's some on this list, if we pick bands like Venom, for instance, nobody's going to know or give a shit who this band is. They, I mean, and they're on the list. We'll get into that later on. But primarily, this list is made up of people that you damn well know and that were probably pretty huge at the time, right? Yeah, or they were so egregious you had to have them on there. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. All right, so Twisted Sister. Now we move on to the queen herself, Miss Madonna, the queen of stirring up shit. However, the song that's on here, I don't think <laughs> is that big of a deal. Dress you up. Dress you up in my love. I like the song. I know it. What's what's the issue with this? Uh, the pr issue was Karina was singing it. Okay. So she was singing this and Dar Darlin' Nikki out loud and Tipper Gore freaked. Yeah, so Darlin' Nikki I get, but what are the lyrics in Dress You Up in My Love that are uh, completely sex? Because that's what she cites it as a sex issue. Yeah, there isn't any. Right. So it's uh, going to dress you up in my love all over, all over, all over your body. Feel the silky touch of my caresses. They will keep you looking so brand new. Let me cover you with velvet kisses. I'll create a look that's made for you. There's nothing in here. 
that screams sex. Okay. Uh, could, why did could, she skip like a virgin? That's what she should have went after. Uh, it's and I think these songs aren't these songs on the same record. Aren't they? It, are it, this they is are. on like a virgin, right? Yep. Uh, let, uh, let me so read me those lyrics again, and I'm gonna interpret them for you and see if you think this is what she's thinking. Okay, so feel the silky touches, a touch of my caresses. Uh huh. That's that's what keep, it sounds like. Yeah, they will keep you looking so brand new. Okay, so <laughs> okay, go ahead to the next thing. Let me cover you with velvet kisses. Okay, so what, I'll create a look that's made for you. So, what could velvet kisses be a a euphemism for? Oh, you're stretching it. <laughs> <laughs> These could just be soft kisses. Uh-huh. <laughs> oh, come on. <laughs> Cover you in my soft kisses? Whatever. Dude, this is not deserving in my opinion. <laughs> <laughs> All right. But it was the number five song on Billboard, so she couldn't let it go, probably. All right. So, <laughs> okay, fair enough. All right, Madonna. Well, you'll have to wait. So now we move on to when I think of PMRC, this song is the one song that I think of and absolutely deserving to be on this list. I love, 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 love this song. I used to have the picture disc of this song. Give it a listen.
my favorite Wasp song. For all the bad things that I'll say about Tipper Gore and who she is, I would shake her hand because I would not have found this song if it wasn't for her, and I would not have found this band if it wasn't for her. I love Wasp, and that is a great catchy tune, dude. It's one of the first Wasp songs I ever heard. It's what made me get really excited for the debut album because I had this picture disc before the debut album came out because this song, it might be on a greatest hits record now, but it wasn't originally on a record, I don't think, was it? Um, let's see here. Because I looked that up because I was wondering the same thing. Oh, that's right. Capital was trying to release it as a single, but they backed out initially. Because I know for a fact it wasn't on the first record, and I also know for a fact that I heard this song way before the first record even came out. I think it ended up on Live in the Raw, right? Yeah, I mean, it's definitely on a live record. It might even be on a Greatest Hits compilation or something at this point, but I remember reading about this band in like Krang or something, and I remember getting this picture disc, which was essentially uh, the cod piece, yeah, with the, yeah. with the buzzsaw. I remember going, holy shit, I can't ever let my mom hear this song <laughs> ever. <laughs> and uh, I, I just remember that that's what kind of primed me for the debut record. So I don't think this record was available as anything other than like a two-song picture disc or an import or Maybe it was part of a four-song EP or something like that back in the early days. So you crazy Wasp fans that are out there, if you guys know the answer to that, put it on our Facebook page and let me know what the trip was with with Animal because uh, definitely was not on that first record. Yeah, uh, deserving though. <laughs> yeah, without a doubt. Please make sure you subscribe to our podcast, Growing Up Rock, and leave us a review on iTunes. Give us a like and leave us a comment on Facebook at Growing Up Rock. Sonny, we appreciate everybody's time and effort that goes into sharing our podcast and leaving us reviews. How else can people help us out with little or no effort on their part? Yeah, Amazon is absolutely the best way. So what I do is I'll go to the growinguprock.com page, click on the Amazon link, and then you just buy your Amazon stuff, whatever you buy, right? Uh, it's the easiest way to do it. It doesn't cost you any more, and it helps us with our hosting fees because Amazon kicks back a little something. I order from Amazon probably every day. I don't order hundreds of dollars of stuff, but I put Amazon kind of through the ringer a little bit because we're in competition with Amazon all the time. So, But uh, no, it's an easy way to help us out. Yeah, I'll go one better. If, if you go through the com website and click on the Amazon banner and then just save that link to your desktop, then you can just bypass com and click on the Amazon link that you saved to your desktop and that still goes through the Rock link. It just takes you straight to the Amazon website just a way to kind of help us out. We really appreciate it because every little bit helps. And if, you know, a hundred people go out and buy one killer CD that we turned them on to, then that's a, a little bit of a kickback and helps us pay for our hosting fees. So just like Sonny said, that's a great way to help us out and support us if you like what we're doing. Thank you.
All right, let's jump right back into this, Sonny. So we move from something like animal, fuck like a beast, from Wasp, to another awesome metal band, hard rock band, Def Leppard. And Def Leppard back in 1981 was doing high and dry. And I absolutely love that record. Possibly my favorite Def Leppard record. I don't know. I go back and forth because Pyromania meant a whole lot to me growing up. But High and Dry, definitely an awesome record. And so the song, High and Dry Saturday Night, which Tipper cites as drug and alcohol use, makes the number 10 slot on the Filthy 15. And she goes so far as to bitch and moan about this song, but holds up the album cover to Pyromania. (laughs) Yeah. Um, First of all, Pyromania, you're bitching about a building burning because it's got the little freaking crosshairs with the explosion on the building. And then you put a song like High and Dry from the record High and Dry, which came out in 81, by the way, four years earlier, on the list. Again, this is a band that's in the prime, right? They're right after Pyromania had been released. Pyromania is blowing up all over the place. And she's bitching about a song like High and Dry, which the only line in there that's even close to drug and alcohol abuse is I got my whiskey, I got my wine, something about I got a line, which I'm assuming means reference to a a line of coke. But that's basically it, right? That's it. And see, the problem is she couldn't put photograph or rock of ages on the list, but she's got to have Def Leppard because they're on MTV every three minutes. Right. So just so far off. It's not even, I got my whiskey, got my wine, got my women. I'd be feeling good too. Shit. She could have put rock of ages on the list and said, um, you're talking about burning this place down to the ground. Oh yeah. That would be a stretch too. Your album's called Pyromania. You're influencing people to go out and burn down houses. Yeah, just wrong. (laughs) This is straight up got to have Def Leppard on the list. That's all this is. So stupid. I love this song, by the way. Oh, it's awesome. I know some people aren't huge fans of this particular song, but I love it. Yeah. All right. So then we get into a little devil worship after that. Yeah, I would say uh, this one is fully deserving. Uh, Merciful fates into the coven. I'll tell you honestly, I I just never got into this type of music. I just never got into King Diamond really. And I know you're you like some of the King Diamond stuff. I just, although I like that high screeching vocal and all of that, just the look scared me a little. And uh, the when I listened to the lyrics and blah blah, I just didn't. I was already kind of fighting off one religion that one my parents were trying to shove me down. I definitely wasn't going to go to some other type of occult religion. So this one, yeah, it's deserving for sure. Yeah. I mean, look, I get it. It's a hard thing to take. And this is probably not the best place in the world to tell you. Yeah. I, you know, I was into worshiping the devil at one point in time and, uh, (laughs) 
<laughs> and I think I held two or three seances and, you know, tried to invoke the spirit of Randy Rhodes or something at one point in time. But Into the Coven, great song, uh, was covered in the medley that was done by Metallica. Um, I totally get it, but, you know, Bible Belt wasn't going to keep me down. So uh, I took it for what it was, which was, you know, just same same entertainment as is an Alice Cooper or Marilyn Manson or whatever. Take it with a grain of salt. It's a horror movie on stage, so to speak. So uh, that's that's kind of how I took it. And uh, there are way worse things nowadays. And so I didn't didn't buy too much into it, but I get while it's why it's on there because definitely it was all about the imagery uh, for this band. Yeah. All right. So. Number 12, check this song out.
scary shit. We go yeah. from a band like Merciful Fate to probably the forefathers of all that kind of shit, Black Sabbath, and their only record with Ian Gillian, Born Again, which had the scary devil baby on the uh, album cover. And uh, I mean, if you're going to have a list like this, you got to you gotta find a place to put Black Sabbath on there somewhere. And so this record came out in 83. You know, this record has some redeemable shit on it, but just not a very well-produced record sound-wise. It doesn't sound great and trashed. Not my favorite song on the record, but got some killer screams there from Ian Gillian. And Tipper likes to cite drug and alcohol use on this particular song. Yeah, to me, okay, is it talking about drug and alcohol use? Yes, probably more alcohol than drug. Is it promoting drug and alcohol use? Uh, No. He even says the line, I won't get trashed again. Yeah, it's a cautionary tale. Yeah, Yeah. he's telling a story about something that happened to him uh, during a recording session at Black Sabbath. crashed his car, flipped upside down after he got hammered. Yep. He's just telling a story. Yeah, completely. I mean, if if she just spent any amount of time digging into this song at all, she would have realized that it's a complete cautionary tale about the problem with drug and alcohol use. So she didn't see that. She saw the imagery. She saw the album cover. She saw just the name itself, Black Sabbath. She knew the history. She knew the... Uh, Myth, I guess, so to speak. The interesting part to hear to me is, okay, the name Black Sabbath, I get it. But Black Sabbath's not exactly a peak right now. Nah. This song is a deep cut. Why didn't you go after Suicide Solution instead? Yeah. <laughs> Who knows? Don't know. Right? It just doesn't make any sense. Yeah. She was wrong on this one. Yeah, I would have to agree with that. So now we jump back into an these girls weren't Prince protégés. They were time protégés, weren't they? No, they were Rick James, baby. Oh, that's right. Rick James. Yeah. You're absolutely yeah. right. So the Mary Jane girls in 1984 released a song called In My House, promoting sex. I look at the title In My House by the Mary Jane girls and think, oh, these nice ladies are inviting me in for some cake and ice cream. So what's the problem here? What are the lyrics here? All right. So... Here's the lyrics they had a problem with, and I would label this as iffy. Well, you just can't believe I'm the only girl in your life. I'll be your sugar in the morning and the sweet stuff you need at night. And you just can't make believe when it comes down to making love. I'll satisfy your every need and every fantasy you can think up. That's it. I would tell you this is this is Rick James G-rated. Yeah, it sounds like all we're doing is a little bit of role-playing, right? Yeah, I mean, this is... Nothing. I I label it as iffy. And even when I did some research on this, the Mary Jane girls even said themselves, it's about love. It's not about sex. Well, I mean, making love, it's uh, it's sex, right? Yeah, I I, I guess if Rick James would have sang this, there would have been a big problem. (laughs) But the way Mary Jane girls sang this, it's just a pop song to me. Yeah. Tipper was just having a problem deciding who she was going to role play when she dressed up for Al. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I guess. I don't know. 
right. So for a minute of rest to visit uh, Rick James's very freaky girls, the Mary Jane girls, we go right straight back into worshiping the devil. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I'll, I'll tell you, I, I just don't get Venom. I don't get it. Uh, never got it. Nah. Thought they had a cool logo. Uh, I could say that much. Uh, but this song's not even that good. It's deserving. I mean, look at me, Satan's child, born of evil, evil, dust defiled, brought to life through satanic birth, raised in hell to live on earth. I, okay, it deserves it. But what has Venom ever done? I mean, I, I can't name one song. Okay. Well, I can. Um, oh, possessed. possessed? But, <laughs> but yeah, so we're talking about Venom, if you didn't catch that. We're talking about Venom. 1985, they released a song called Possessed. Venom, I'll be honest, I was never a Venom fan. I didn't like anything. I seeked them out after reading about them in Krang. A lot of people love this band in the metal community, so I was like, well, shit, they must be really good. Yeah, I get it. They're satanic, but so is Merciful Fate, so fuck it, I'm going to try it. And I picked up an album. I don't remember which album it was, but I took it home, and I was like, yeah, this, this shit sucks. I just, I didn't dig it. For one thing, the vocals are really shitty. Kronos is the guy's name. He's the, I guess he basically is Venom as far as I know. But Kronos, who's this kind of balding, older looking dude. Uh, I think he plays bass and he sings. But I did not dig it at all. That's just my personal opinion. And maybe there's something out there that I didn't catch and maybe somebody can suggest it to me to go check out. But it was just kind of thrashy, punky, just not good to me. There was no, yeah, I didn't like it at all. So Yeah, me neither. Like I said, I just couldn't get into it. Uh, they're on the number 14. I guess they just want to throw something on there that was satanic. They needed another, they had a good, a good list of mostly sex, a little bit of violence, and they needed something else to round out the uh, devil-worshipping sector on the Filthy 15. So, okay, whatever. So then then it's time for us to close out this list, Sonny, and we're going to close this list out with Girls Just Want to Have Fun, Cindy Lauper, and the song She Bop, which... At this point, everybody knows that this song was about masturbation. Co-written by uh, one of the Rockin' Pod guests that will be appearing, Gary Corbett, who will be appearing at Rockin' Pod, co-wrote Shebop oh, uh, with Cindy Lauper. And uh, so it's about masturbation. I don't care. It's just a fine, happy little song as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, and Cindy Lauper said uh, she recorded the vocal while nude and wanted the, the kids to think it was a dance song, and as they got older, they would understand it better. So she never apologized for it being what it is. I think it deserved to be on the list, but it's not. I mean, it's not Wasp. That's for damn sure. I mean, she, you know, she, her lyrics uh, are talking about it, yeah, but she kind of dances around it a little bit. Yeah, I guess it's not as straightforward yeah. as it might sound. So that rounds out the filthy 15, dude. Wow. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, we want to talk about songs they missed. I want you to check out this song right out of the gate. Check this out. 
1984 slotted in. This is White Snake and a song called Spit It Out, which I just thought was, you know, some old chewing gum. Is that not the case? <laughs> yeah. How Coverdale somehow didn't end up on this list. And you know why? Because he wasn't big in 84. If this is 87's list, he's all over this list. So do you have any lyrics for Spit It Out? Uh, I don't think I even printed out. Oh, yeah, I do. Okay. <laughs> I never knew what a kiss could mean till the first time I kissed you. You took the love in the palm of my hand, showed me what a woman could do. Now, I don't want sugar-coated loving, just silver-tongued tenderness. <laughs> Dude, like, how did he not end up on this list? They obviously don't know who David Coverdale is. I mean, listen, what's in the name? The name of the band is White Snake. Do you actually think they're talking about a white snake? <laughs> That's what I saw on the record, so that must be what it is. Yeah, no. <laughs> That's like third eye blonde. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> so, yeah, I love that song. I like that record, killer record. They didn't play that the other night, by the way. Oh, they didn't? Oh, that's too bad. No, spit it out. We got slotted yeah. in and slow and easy, though. Yeah. So, <laughs> that, that album is filled with that kind of stuff. She could have put the whole album on the list. Almost. <laughs> I don't think Guilty is that bad. but uh, Standing in the Shadows, I guess, is not that bad either. <laughs> slotted in, definitely. Take me down, slow and easy, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so there's, listen, we could have gone on for 
days talking about songs that were either past or even present that belong on this list. There were some, there are some lyrics that I read from um, a song called Blow by Beyonce that made me laugh my ass off talking about Skittles and shit. Uh, but I didn't I didn't print that out. But I did uh, I did pull up a list. Sonny and I just listed a bunch of stuff, and then I pulled up this one little article that was talking about 25 surprisingly dirty songs, and one of the songs on it was the Nax My Sharona, and one of the lyrics they talk about is, never gonna stop, give it up, such a dirty mind, I always get it up for the touch of the younger kind. (laughs) So, you know, any lyric can be turned into stuff. They talked about Brian Adams' Summer of 69, uh, where Brian Adams basically confessed that he made a bet with a buddy that he could write a song with 69 in the title. So, (laughs) So there you go. What else is on here? Jethro Tull's Aqualung, sitting on a park bench, eyeing little girls with bad intent, snot running down his nose, greasy fingers smearing shabby clothes. Aerosmith's Walk This Way. I met a cheerleader, was a real young bleeder, all the times I can reminisce. Ah, the best thing loving with her sister and her cousin. (laughs) Gave her just a little kiss like this. So there's tons of lyrics. I mean, you can look into them. A lot of them are uh, kind of the old man, younger girl lyrics, which uh, is kind of pretty bad these days, I guess. (laughs) I always enjoyed um, ZZ Top's Pearl Necklace. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) She was getting bombed and I was getting blown away. And that's not jewelry she's talking about. It really yeah. don't cost that much. What do you think he's talking about there, dude? Uh, I don't know. I have no idea. Okay. How yeah. about some of the ones you pulled out? That's what she said. <laughs> uh, I went some some of the pop route because uh, you know they were uh, they were killing porn rock as they labeled it anyway. Yeah. But like, I want candy was out in '82 uh-huh. um, by Bow Wow Wow. You know they. They were talking about, uh, well, first of all, they want candy, and they're talking about candy on the beach, uh, something wrapped in a sweater, uh, someday soon the candy be all mine, like it, whatever. Well, um, you know what made that worse is the the lead singer in Bow Wow Wow, that girl, I think she was only 15 or 16 at the time. Oh, yeah, that makes it worse for sure. How about the stroke, Billy Squire? Nobody had a problem with that? <laughs> I mean, do I even need to... Like, it don't take rhythm, no style, got a thirst for killing, grab your vine. I mean, and then he even tells you how to do it. Pull your right hand out, give him a firm handshake. Like, he's this is like a how-to book. <laughs> Nobody had a problem with Billy Squire's how-to book. <laughs> Little Frankie goes to Hollywood? Yeah. They, just hold on to your ejaculation so you shoot in the right direction. Basically, that's what they're singing about. Remember that everybody was wearing a relaxed T-shirt. Like, if you want to go after somebody, go after Frankie Goes to Hollywood. They were all over the place. Yeah, and the band, I think, was 100% gay. Oh, maybe that's why she didn't do it. Who knows? I I think so. How about Naughty Naughty by John Parr? I put my hand on your stocking. I was moving nice and slow. Let my finger do the walking, and there ain't too far to go. Those are the first two lines. And you tell me you don't want to be a girl like that. Come on, please. (laughs) 
<laughs> uh, physical. Olivia Newton-John. Wasn't she huge at the time? 81. Yeah. Was that the time Grease came out? What year did Grease come out? 78. Was it that old? Yeah. Damn. Yeah. Yeah. Grease came out before that. But, wow. uh, I mean, physical was all over videos. Yeah. Right? I put it, turning Japanese. Come on. Like, that's even racist. Hell, that make a list today. Right? So, I don't know. She She missed on some of this stuff, but... <laughs> I nailed a bunch of Kiss songs. Going oh, Blind, yeah. Christine 16, bunch of ACDC, Giving the Dog a Bone, which is off the same record as Let Me Put My Love Into You. Yeah. The yeah. Rolling Stones, Brown Sugar, for sure. Just crazy. Yeah. Crazy, crazy topic. Yeah, That's for sure. no doubt. You wanted the best, and you got the best. The hottest band in the world, Kiss! It's time for your historic moment on Growing Up Rock. All right. So before we get to the historic moment, I found this quote by Angus Young. And, you know, you don't hear from Angus Young that much. Uh, but I wanted to say the quote by Angus Young before we play the historic moment. People who want to strangle other people's rights are possessed by one of the worst devils around. The Satan in their souls, which is called intolerance. Rock and roll is about one simple thing, freedom. When someone tries to murder that freedom, we're against it. Right? That was his answer to let me put my love into you, by the way. Was it? Yeah. But for the historic moment, although this song has nothing to do about burning people, but if the title fits, censor this tipper goer, burn, bitch, burn.
Ah, little Animal Eyes, love. I guess you didn't have a problem with that song because Animal Eyes wasn't selling. Uh, probably not. Yeah, it's all good. All good. This has been great, man. It was fun to revisit a lot of this shit, man. We could probably talk about this for the next hour or two, man. It was it was great revisiting this stuff. It kind of, uh, you know, I got, this has been on our list of topics to kind of cover, but I also got kind of reacquainted with this when I watched one of uh, Bob Nalbanian, last week's guest, one of his videos had uh, the PMRC in it and uh, talked about that. That's why those Inside Metal uh, DVDs are, are pretty cool because it's, you know, just like you said, it's kind of a history lesson in, in rock and roll and metal. So uh, very cool stuff. Yeah, great topic. Man, if we would have done this, let's say, like debate style with a couple other people, we would have been on this topic for like five hours. Oh, literally. I mean, this is going to be a good long episode as it is, and it's just a you know, casual conversation, just kind of remembering some of this stuff that went on in, in 85. And just, uh, you look back at, at that time and the list and think about some of the stuff that's out there today and some of the stuff that's transpired since then. It's like, wow, what a completely different world and where people's priorities were at and where their head was at and with this PMRC and all that stuff. And, and, you know, you think about some of the things that have gone on and it's like looking back on that shit, that wasn't even close to being one of our biggest concerns, was it? No, no. And, it, and we didn't even talk about it really during the episode, but uh, remember there was bands out there trying to get the sticker on their album because it was selling more copies. Oh, literally. I mean, I'd, I'd read a couple articles fairly recently where they were saying, so the stats were pretty staggering because I think it, it was saying something like records with parental advisory stickers were literally selling 10 to 1 with records without. So there were people literally struggling and fighting to get labeled parental advisory. I know there was one uh, particular incident that they were talking about where Donnie Osmond had gone to the PMRC claiming that he deserved a parental advisory sticker on his record for one reason or another. <laughs> yeah, and these record companies aren't stupid. I can't tell you how many double albums I have, meaning the album twice, not actual double album, but like Skid Row's Slave to the Grind. Uh -huh. I bought the dirty one because I wanted to get the fuck out on there. But then the clean one had beggars day. So I'm like, well, I guess I need that one too. Which is the better song by the way. Right. Which is the better song. But now I have two copies of slave to the bride. They got my money twice. Yeah. When, the, when the kids, when the kids wanted songs and when there was a clean version, and dirty version, I got them the clean version. I got the dirty version. If I like the song. Yeah. So iTunes got my money twice. So these guys didn't exactly lose. Nah. Crazy, crazy. Absolutely. All right. Well, hell, what else we want to cover before we get out of here? No, I just want to thank the fans again. We've been around uh, almost coming up on a year, I think, right? Yeah, and we're I, coming up on our year uh, in mid-August, or I yeah. guess early August. So, yeah. Um, so we've been at it a while, and there's some fans have been there since day one, and I think we get new fans every day. And uh, I just... 
so appreciate uh, people just listening. I'm surprised anybody even actually cares, to be honest with you. And then uh, that's now spawning into us being able to get music from people like Paris Records and us being able to be on Ear Peeler and some of these things that just get the message out even more. So it's definitely the snowball that's rolling downhill. And uh, I appreciate every second of it. So thank you. Yeah, it's it's all related. And and, and I'll say this, like, I, I don't even, I won't even refer to people as fans. I'll just call you listeners, your music fans, which is what Sonny and I, you know, essentially are just music fans. But what I will say is it definitely has a snowball effect. And the way that you guys see the snowball effect is that, we grow the name, we grow the listeners, it enables us to get access to music that we might not have gotten access to, it enables us to get interviews that we might not have gotten at one point in time either. So it's all completely relative and uh, hopefully you guys like what we're doing. We love what we're doing, which is just talking and playing music and that's really what it's about for us. So super humble, super appreciative of everybody that takes the time to write a review or share our episode or just even go on our Facebook page and say, hey, I enjoyed this latest episode or just talk to us. I mean, we love it. We appreciative of it. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You guys are awesome. Yeah, we even get feedback. What did Ross say that I was wrong about the first two YT albums? How dare Ross say I was wrong about anything regarding YT? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> contrary we love to, you, Ross. Contrary to belief, <laughs> your love of YT is completely opinionated anyway. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, it's all good, but hopefully. Uh, it just keeps on getting bigger and stronger and we'll keep on moving on, moving on. So looking forward to the episodes coming up into the future. Looking forward to rock and pod in August. And, uh, beyond that, we'll see. We got some good things planned for sure. You want to do the honors or shall I? I got it right here. All right. So shuffle, rattle and roll. We'll talk to you people next week. We will catch you later. Get ready to shuffle, rattle, and roll. Play us out, boys. Never win first place. I don't support the team. I can't take direction and my socks are never clean. Teachers dated me. My parents hated me. I was always in a fight because I can't do nothing right. Every day I find a war against the mirror.
It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. 